All right, welcome to message number four in our series here, Where to Turn. We're talking about key psalms that all of us know, need to know, hey, this is where I need to turn when something unexpected kind of hits our lives. And this morning, uh, we've entitled the message, Where to Turn When Knowing God Just Isn't That Easy. Story is told about this mountain climber, and he's this solo climbing out there on a mountain, and he ends up, you know, falling and, and, and losing his grip, and he's literally tumbling down off the mountain, and he grabs onto these roots, and he's hanging on for all of his life. And uh, he yells up, and he says, is anybody up there? And finally, this hand reaches over the ledge, and, uh, and this voice says, let go and grab my hand. And the climber says, well, who are you? And the voice says back, I am God. And the man looks at the hand and he's thinking and he goes, is anybody else up there? You know, know, this fictitious story, it kind of reveals a man who is unwilling to trust God. You know, why? Well, perhaps he really didn't know God. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation like where you're in a situation where because of your circumstance or situation or issue, you have to trust God, but you're going, do I really know him enough to trust him? Sometimes it's not easy to really get to know God. Some of us turn to other things or other people rather than God because we really are honest with our lives. We're not sure we really know God enough to trust Him like that. You know, Paul said this about knowing God, Philippians 3.8, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Would you just underline that? The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Philippians 3.8. Wow. Wow. You know, one person has said this, a person's greatest need is to know their greatest need. Your greatest need, I mean, you know, is to know what your greatest need is. And let me just say this as someone who loves you, whatever you're facing this morning, whatever's going on in your life, whatever circumstances, your greatest need right now is to know God. I can tell you that categorically because the Bible teaches that categorically. Remember as a kid uh, playing the game hide-and-seek? Did you ever play that? Sometimes it's fun to, play, fun to play that with your wife or your husband. Sometimes I feel like someone's playing that with my car keys. Are you following me? <laughs> but one person would hide, and then, you know, everyone else would, uh, you know, try to find them. And let me just say this about God as we're beginning here. God is not hiding. He's not hiding. God has made himself known. He's in plain view for all of us to see him and come to know him. In other words, God is knowable, and God wants you to know him. As a matter of fact, God wants the world to know him. So, But where do you turn when knowing God just isn't that easy? And this world can hit you sideways. And you can sometimes just go, do I even know you, God? I mean, look what's going on, and, and we get confused, and... 
we find ourselves like that mountain climber. Can I really trust you? Well, (laughs) Psalm 19 is the psalm to turn to when knowing God is not that easy. Uh, Psalm 19 is a wisdom psalm, and it tells us three main ways in which we uh, can come to know God. C.S. Lewis, he said this about Psalm 19. He said, quote, I take this to be the greatest poem in all of the psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in all of the world. Psalm 19, it's, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, now you can see, if you're there, hopefully you see it in your Bibles. You see it's written by David. For the director of music, a psalm of David. That's in the original inspired Hebrew. That's literally not something man has added. That's in the Bible. A psalm of David. David is a man after God's own heart. David is a man who knew God, and we know that. And I kind of picture David penning Psalm 19 in this way. And I I can't prove this, but this is just kind of based on the psalm. I kind of feel like this is the setting. Like David is king of Israel, and he comes to the end of what is perhaps a long day, and he goes up to his balcony. Some of you have been with me to the city of David. You've seen that area where he was. And he grabs his pen and his scroll and he plops down in his most comfortable chair. And, and he just begins reflecting on God. And he's outdoors on you know, his patio. And he meditates on how he's come to know God over the years. And all of God's blessings and goodness. And then, and then words begin to flow, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And David pens one of the most masterful psalms we have in all the Bible. And David, he looks up at the stars to begin with. He's just beautiful night in Israel. And he sees thousands of stars, and he begins with the stars. That's verses 1 to 6. And then he moves to the Scriptures. He thinks about the Scriptures. That's verses 7 to 11. And then he makes this profound application regarding his soul. That's verses 12 to 14. Knowing God involves three things. The stars, the Scripture, and your soul. And we're going to see this unfold in this poetic beauty as we study this psalm. So this morning, what I want us to do is, as we go through this verse by verse, is to consider three principles on how we come to know God and how we can come to know God better and better and better as the days and the months and the years go by. If you want to come to know God like Paul, it's the greatest, most surpassing worth of all. You've got to be connected to these three Ongoing principles need to be active in your life. Otherwise, you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. God is in plain view. He wants you to come to know Him more and more. This is how it happens. Number one, we come to know God generally by His general revelation, that is, creation. Now, let me just ask you a little question. Do you take God's creation for granted? I mean, it's all around us. But do you take creation for granted, or are you coming to know God better because of His creation? That, that's something you need to only, you, you, you're the only one that can answer that. General revelation is God's self-disclosure about Himself through creation. We have the privilege of getting to know God from His creation. The knowledge of God 
from creation is somewhat limited, but nevertheless, it is still totally amazing. Unless you take creation for granted. I mean, have you ever asked yourself, just, why did God create all this? Have you ever just said that? Think about it. Creation is a living, vibrant, dynamic illustration revealing to us every day, watch this, incredible truths about who God is. But if you see creation and you only see creation, you don't see the creator, you're going to struggle getting to know God. Creation reveals the creator. That's the whole point. It's a living, dynamic illustration. Now what is... You know, sometimes, for example, you'll look at a painting, which was created by a man or a woman, and you'll look at that, that painting, and it will reveal to you something about the artist. Sometimes you're going, man, that guy was confused, you know? That dude was on acid, you know? I mean, or whatever, you know? What does creation tell us about God? It speaks about God. Six truths we know about God from creation, that the psalm begins. Number one, the heavens tell us that God is full of glory. Verse one, the heavens declare ongoing the glory of God. Have you ever been camping? I love Tom. Every year, I'm looking at Tom, he goes camping at least for a week. I mean backpacking because creation is so awesome. But I'm sure you've been camping, backpacking, whatever, and you look up at these stars at night and there's a hundred billion stars in our galaxy, and then there are a hundred billion galaxies in our universe, why are they there? These billions of stars with every twinkle continue to proclaim, watch this, a truth about God, that God is full of glory, majesty, power, and splendor. That's what verse 1 is saying. You know, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Now think with me. You multiply that by 60 seconds in a minute, then by 60 minutes in an hour, then by 24 hours in a day, then by 365 days in a year, and you have the distance that light travels in just one year, which is approximately 6 trillion miles. Just one year. Sirius, just one of our stars in our galaxy is, watch this, 54 trillion miles away. Light traveling at just nine, you know, light years away. That's what it does in a year. I mean, it's, it's just incredible how far and how vast and how awesome these stars are from us. 186,000 miles per second? Six trillion miles in a year? And one star is 54 trillion miles away? Incredible. The heavens tell us that God is full of glory. Second, the skies tell us that God is personal. He's a personal creator. In verse 1, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. His hands. I mean, we look at the skies, right? The sun, the moon, the stars. And it's rotational and gravitational system. All of its order and intricacies. There's only one thing you can conclude if you're honest about what you see. This is not random chance. 
the, the skies proclaim the work of his personal creator hands. Not evolution's hands, not random chance hands. By the way, just, just a thought. If the ratio of carbon to oxygen in our atmosphere was just slightly different than what it is, none of us would be able to breathe the air. All of life on earth would cease to exist. Just that alone. The skies tell us that God is a personal creator. You look at my cell phone. I mean, you look at this. Who would ever think, oh yeah, this just kind of fell together, random chance. No, no, no. You go, someone with intelligent design, a personal creator created this. How can we look at the way everything works and operates in absolute, total, perfect balance and conclude there's nothing but a personal God that is behind it all. This is how you come to know God, by seeing everything and going, you're awesome, you're glorious, and what a personal creator you are. Wow. Number three, the days tell us that God is faithful and caring. Look at verse two. Day after day, David says, they pour forth speech. Day after day tells us that God is faithful and caring. If you live to 90 years old, you will experience 32,850 days. Now, regardless of how old you are, let me just ask you, have you ever woken up, you know, <laughs> and one of these days that you've lived so far, did you ever wake up and say, uh, you know, I wonder if the day is going to be here when you wake up? The fact that the days come and go with such total consistency and reliability tells us something about the faithfulness of God and His love and care for His creation. We don't worry, is the day going to come? Is the sun going to show up? It's, it's because of God's faithfulness and care that it always does. And by the way, if the axis, if the earth's axis were to be tilted ever so slightly more in one direction, we would absolutely freeze. If it were to be tilted ever so slightly in the other direction, we would literally burn up. Or suppose the earth would become a bit closer or further from the sun. Or if the earth was, watch this, just a little bit smaller or a little bit bigger. Or if it rotated at a speed any different from the one we are spinning at right now. If any of those things happened, if those changes occurred, the resulting temperature variations on our planet would be fatal. All of life would stop. You know what this tells us? You look at creation. How can we look at it and not know God is glorious, He is awesome, He is caring, He is loving. There's a personal God of intelligence that holds it all together. This is what we should be concluding as we look at our world. This is how we come to know God. Number four, the nights tell us that God is knowledgeable. Look, if you would, at verse two. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. The nights reveal knowledge. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but think about the knowledge necessary to design just one night. Go out, just try to design one night on your own. Just go for it. I mean, we laugh and we're like, that's crazy. But think about it. For God, it's simple. But the knowledge behind the design of one night is incredible. His knowledge is is beyond comprehension. That's what the Bible's teaching. That's what David is concluding as he's look, just looking at the night. Number five, creation in its entirety from earth to space tells us that God is omnipresent and infinite. 
Look at verses 3 to 4. David says, they have no speech, speaking about creation. They use no words, no sounds is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. I mean, where can we possibly go where God's mark in creation is not present? I mean, where can you go? God's testimony of creation is everywhere. It surrounds us everywhere we turn. Everywhere. And we conclude, as we look at it all, that God is infinite. Scientists have proven that the universe is continuing to expand, right? We know that. In the beginning, God created. And yeah, in the beginning, it probably was a big bang. (laughs) And the universe is continuing to expand at God's hand. I mean, millions of light years out there. This should tell us something about God, that he's eternal, he's omnipresent, he's infinite, and it's amazing. Number six, the Son tells us that God is powerful and orderly and kind. You look at the end of verse four. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. This is poetry. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, beautiful, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. You look at the sun. It, it, just, it says one thing it should about God, is that God is powerful, orderly, and absolutely kind. The sun is just a medium-sized star. It's a million times the size of the earth. And it's in a constant state of nuclear activity. Its temperature is 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. That will cook your turkey on Thanksgiving. Watch this. The sun creates more energy in one second than all the energy of humanity that humanity has used since the dawn of civilization. Think of the power to create just that one star or sun. The creator is more powerful than the creation. Think of that power to speak all creation into existence. That's our God. And look how orderly it rotates and everything works together. And we go out and we put, we go out and we bathe in the sun, we take it in. Isn't it amazing that God put the sun just the perfect distance away from the earth so that we could actually suntan and enjoy it? That's God's kindness. It's amazing. Question Are you taking creation for granted? I, granted, we're just at the beginning of what it means to know God, but this is where it begins. Creation is a living illustration that, sh- that, that we should be looking at. And here we see theology being connected to parts of creation that David's pointing out. We should be making those connections as well. You know, this is what Paul said, Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. If you can look at this creation, and I mean just say, ah, it's just a big bang, there's no personal God behind it, you are without excuse. You are the most ignorant. Are you kidding me? We would never say that about our cell phone or anything else. We go, of course. Wow. Six pounds, two ounces, my baby dog... Wow. 
So if you're watching this on video right now, we record everything. Sorry about that, but I just got text. My uh, grand, uh, my yeah, my my daughter-in-law is having a baby. James and Bridget have a little baby girl. So, praise the Lord. Okay, so the first way we get to know God is through general revelation. That's creation. Here's the application challenge that I just give to you. Slow down. Take note of the character of God revealed through his creation. You really should. Take a moment at your tables and talk about this. Have you come, how have you come to know God? Generally, through creation. Moments in your life that God has revealed himself to you. What moments have there been in your life where God has just revealed some things about himself through creation? Encourage one another at your tables. Talk about that. Okay, we're talking this morning about three ways David is teaching us how we come to know God. Number one, we come to know God generally by His general revelation. That's through creation. Second is this, we come to know God personally by His special revelation, which is Scripture. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you taking this book, the Bible, for granted? Or are you getting to know God better and better by immersing yourself in this special revelation, the Bible. Now, one author said this, quote, In creation, God reveals his power, his glory, his wisdom, but in his word, he reveals himself. In his word, he reveals his triune personhood. We would never have known of God, of the Lord Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, of salvation, of heaven, of hope, of life. None of these would we know if God had not spoken. The heavens, with all their incessant witness to God's glory, never tell of the loyal love of God for his people. The seas, with all their might, describe nothing of God's saving action in Jesus Christ. It is in the scriptures and in them alone that we meet the person of God. That's why, by the way, we need to read the Bible to the ends of the earth, because the Bible is the greatest missionary. Now, the greatest means and the only means by which we come to know God personally in a saving way is through the message, the gospel, the Bible. And by the way, in the average home in the United States, there are three Bibles. The United States has no excuse. There are many places in the world where they still don't have the Bible. We just gave, this church did, the first copy of the New Testament to an unreached people group in Vietnam. I'm going to be preaching about that in a few weeks. But we are big in getting God's word out. In verses 7 through 11, uh, we see here, God is not hiding. He's knowable. And he's knowable through this special revelation. Now, in these verses, and, and believe me, I could spend an entire month just in the rest of this psalm. David, uh, he, he, he reveals some incredible poetry that is just... I, it was a real struggle for me to say, what will I not teach here? Because I wanted to teach it all. But he gives us some incredible poetry and incredible facts about this special revelation scripture. So I want to point out a few things that are really amazing, and then I want to dive deep into something that we do want to sink our teeth into. First, David gives us six titles for scripture. And these titles reveal the majesty of God's word and how God's word is revealed to our lives as we read the scriptures. 
And, and so Scripture is given the titles law, statutes, precepts, commands, fear, and decrees. And those are all different Hebrew words. And it's a message in itself that I would love to preach, but I don't have the time right now. And you're going to have to just study that on your own. But guess what? The only way that you're going to get to know God's law, statutes, precepts, commands, fear, and decrees is by reading the Bible. Second is that David gives us then six characteristics, not just titles, but now six characteristics of God's Word that really points to its uniqueness. We're also not going to teach on this, but I'm just mentioning it. Scripture is characterized as perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, and righteous. Also, six different Hebrew words that are incredible. And that's a message in itself, those traits. But we don't have the time. You're going to have to study that on your own. But by the way, the only way you're going to discover that God's Word is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, and righteous is by reading it, okay? There is no God like our God. There is no book like the Bible that reveals our God. Now, as important as these titles and these characteristics are, and they are, there's something for our session right now that I really want to camp on, and this is where we're going to discover some really cool things, six ways that God says we will come to know Him and experience Him should we commit to actually reading the Bible. The result of reading God's Word is this, we will come to know God better, experientially, like a relationship that you have with someone you know. You know them, just not facts about them, but it's just this experientially, you know, dynamic relationship you have with someone. And the same can be with God, and it happens through His Word. It, it's a miracle, and it is supernatural, but this is what the Bible promises. This is how God has designed it. There are no shortcuts. You want to come to know God, yes, creation is going to help, but primarily, the main personal way you come to know God, experientially, well, you will feel God and know Him in a deep way is by reading this book. Now, God has ordained His Word. It's the primary way we come to know God. So let me give you six ways we come to know God experientially from reading His Word. You've got to read the Bible. You can't just have it preached to you. It's great you're here. But as you read it, devour it for yourself, you'll begin to come to know God in a way that you just have never before. It'll be supernatural, it'll be personal, it'll be experiential, and it's going to be in these six ways. Number one, we will experience God's refreshment. Look at what at verse 7. The law of the Lord, now he's going to turning from creation to special revelation. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So God wants to reveal himself to you as the one who will personally, watch this, refresh your soul. So as you come to know the law, which is Torah, and it means instruction, teaching, as you come to know these teachings and instruction, the Torah, it will supernaturally refresh your soul in a way where you will come to know God experientially. The phrase refreshing the soul means God's Word brings spiritual restoration, healing, wholeness to our lives. It heals your soul. Your soul can be damaged, but God heals it. As you read the Bible, God will watch this personally, put your soul in order. And I know you've tasted this before, because I was thinking, you know, in my own life, uh, when I didn't know the Lord, 
I used to go to high school summer camp because my dad and my mom forced me there. And I would come in with, you know, pagan music, just literally, I was into music, not, I didn't know Christ at all. And I would go to this camp, and for an entire week, I had no music, I had none of my, you know, friends that I would hang out with, and I'm hearing the Word of God preached, and by the end of that week, my, my soul was feeling good. Are you following me? It was like I was being detoxed, all this crud was being taken out, and the Word was even purifying my soul as a non-Christian. This is how powerful the Word of God is. And this is what God is saying. See, that is me coming to know God, even though I hadn't invited Him personally into my life. God puts your soul in order as you interact with this Word. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts, it pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit. We can't even understand It's like this surgical precision knife, and it just cuts away the dross, and it leaves the gold. And it's like God sets your soul in order. This is what it means to know God through special revelation. It's the deepest of all experiences of refreshment, the Word of God. Second way we will come to know God experientially as we read His Word is we will experience God's wisdom. Look at at verse 7. It says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, wisdom is seeing and then being able to live your life from God's perspective, not my perspective that gets me in a lot of trouble. With my marriage and my relationships and my finances and the world seeps in. No, no, no. As you begin to read the Word of God, God reorients your mind and gives you a heart of wisdom so you begin to order your life according to His Word, which brings harmony and peace and joy in your life, all that. God wants to personally reveal Himself to you through the statutes, and that that Hebrew word means practical guidelines, and give you His wisdom so that you can live your life according to His perspective. So many of you are so wise, and it's because you're in this book constantly, It's just brought that about in your life. Some of you really admire people that you've met at your tables, or maybe you're watching on video right now in your your home community, and you're like, wow, this person, it's because they're spending time in the Bible. I've shared with you one of my favorite things to do, which I do weekly, is I meet with my dad. And my dad, for 78 years, young, he has just been in the Word of God, I mean, daily, And it's just an honor for me to sit down with him and pray with him. And we talk about life and I just go, I want to be like him. There's so much wisdom there. And it it all tracks back to this is a man of the words. It's the word. It's not him. It's God in him. It's him knowing God through the word that makes you a wise man or woman. Amen? That's the power of God's word. This is what it means to know God through his special revelation. Thirdly, we experience God's joy. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the hearts. See, God wants to reveal himself to you as the one who watches this. Bring joy to your life. As you read God's word and get to know God's precepts, that the Hebrew word means principles, these will lead you into an experience of joy in your life. This is what happens. The greatest... uh, Uh, remedy, medicine for a depressed heart is the Bible. Read it. 
Read it. Read it. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 15, 16. When your words came, I ate them, and they became the joy of my heart. I've had so many people since I've talked about my dad that have come up to me and said, Mark, your mom is the most joyful person I've ever met in my life. And many of you, if you know my mom, she is full of joy. And I'll tell you why she's full of joy. Because she reads this book not just every day, every morning, every night. She is in the Bible more than just about anyone I've ever met. Just, just, just say, Judy, can I see your Bible? Every page you will see is underscored yellow. She goes through Bibles. She devours the Bible. Knowing God is to know his joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Where you're in the word of God, it translates into joy. That's knowing God. That's what the, the supernatural word of God does. Gives you the joy of the Lord. Number four, we will experience God's vision. Verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. See, God wants to reveal himself to you as the one who has the vision, the light for your life. So as you come to know uh, the commands of the Lord, those commands will be light for your eyes so that you can see God's amazing plan for your life. I love being around a man or a woman of vision. I want to be honest with you. If you are visionless, if you don't have a vision, God's plan for your life, you're not in this book. I'm sorry. But that, to come to know God is to know his plan for your life. The only way you come to know God's plan for your life is being in this book. One of the privileges I have, you know, is we work with 14 countries around the world, our missions program. And I'm in constant contact with people that I'm so honored to know. With men and women who have vision for reaching their country in ways that blows me away. For example, uh, I'm in very regular communication with a man named MK in India. His vision is, watch this, to start 240,000 house churches. 240,000. And he's going to do this by 2030. He will do it. I mean, it's, it's well on the way. And we are literally... Uh, they're right with him. In a few weeks, I'll be preaching in the main service, telling you about what God's doing in India and all over. But I'm around a guy like him, and all he wants to do is like, Mark, can we please, so over Skype, I'm talking with pastors all over the world. He's like, can we just read the Bible? Can you teach me the Bible? I'm like, MK, me teach you, you teach me. And we're teaching each other, people of vision. You go right to the Word of God because vision comes from this book. It's knowing God. You get God's word in your heart. He's going to birth in you a vision for his glory, for some purpose that, that he alone wants to reveal to you. This is what it means to know God. Where, like Danny was preaching this morning, you're not, it, what's my life all about? It's something much bigger. It's, it's about God's plan for you. But the only way you're going to get to know God's plan is by getting in this book and allow this word to birth in you the vision God has for your life. Amen? And I see that. All over here. This is why you're here this morning. If there's, you guys are people of vision. You're craving God's word. And you want God's word. And 
because you want to know God, and from that comes his plan for your life. I see you guys living it out. I applaud you. It's an honor to just walk through life with you. I love you deeply because of your love for God, his word, and his vision for your life. Also, we will experience God's warning in verses 9 through 11. Another way we come to know God, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Then he says this, by them your servant is warned. See, God wants to reveal himself to you through his word, through his decrees, that means statements, so you can experience his warning. You say, warning from what? Warning from danger, warning from sin, warning from going wayward, warning from anything that can harm you. Just a couple days ago, I was meeting with one of our young missionaries, and at the end of our conversation, I just said, I said, how can I pray for you? And he said, you know, you can pray for me this way. He goes, I feel like I'm just given, 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 but I know I need to be nurtured in my soul. And here's a young man serving God in China, and he needs the, the fellowship. He needs the Word. And he's in the Word, and the Word of God is revealing to him danger, 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 Will Robinson. <laughs> for those of you who are of that generation. And... See, this is what God's Word does. But some of us, we go through life and we find ourselves in so much trouble and the warning's not going off because we're not in the Word. This is where the warning comes. The Word. This is what it means to know God, to know His Word, to know God is to know His warning and His voice speaks to you as you're in His Word. Wow. Lastly is this. We will experience God's reward. I look at verse 11. It says, In keeping them there is great reward. See, God wants to reveal himself to you through his word, through his decrees, his statements, so you can experience his warning, yes, but also so that you can know it is so worth it to follow God's way to where actually you begin believing that. Even though the world says this, you're like, no way, it's worth it for me to follow God in his way, even though it's the opposite, the polar opposite of what the world says, and you begin living a life that way according to God's word, and you just start reaping the benefits of being a man or a woman who's choosing God's way, and it leads you into a life of great reward and blessing. This last Tuesday night, I get a phone call from a dear family, from the Western family. Lori, Lori is here, I think, this morning. She called me and she said, Mark, can you please come out? Her father-in-law, uh, he was going to go home to be with the Lord. And I said, Lori, I'll be there. So Tracy and I, we get up and we go out to Dublin. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to see. I come up, there's paramedics all over. And I walk into that house and he had just passed and I see the entire family around him crying and, and yet there's this mixture of, of joy and, and yet sorrow and we come around, and, and we read the Word, read Psalm 23, and, and I lead in prayer. And then Lori kind of turns to me as I'm kind of just loving on the family, and she goes, Mark, that right there, we're looking at Tom. He'd just gone home to be with the Lord. She goes, that's the patriarch. That's the man where it all began. And everyone's talking about this man who loved God's Word 
and he loved God. And Lori's saying, I am here because of that man. There are so many rewards that come from reading and giving yourself to the Word of God. But I don't know of a greater reward than being there on your bed and what's your last breath here is your first breath there. And your whole family is around you. And they're all thanking God for you. And then I contrast that, beloved, with so many times I've gone to the hospital and no one's there. Or one person is there. And a life that has not been invested in God's Word. They barely know God. And all the reward we miss. There is so much reward. And the, the illustrations of this are beyond being able to even mention that come from just being a man or a woman who comes to know God through a special revelation. And to me, I don't know, Lori, where you're at, it was just a beautiful moment for Tracy and I to be among your family and, and go, we are in a special moment. Beautiful. Beautiful. Question, are you taking God's word for granted? <laughs> You know, the enemy, he's going to do everything he can to keep you from this book. Why? Because if he can keep you from this book, he can keep you from knowing God. God is knowable. He's not hiding. We come to know God personally through his special revelation, through Scripture. When you read God's Word, you come to know God's amazing laws, statutes, precepts, commands, fear, and decrees. And then as you read, you come to know that every single word that you are reading in this book is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, and righteous. And then as you continue to read the Bible, you come to know and experience God's refreshment, His wisdom, His joy, His vision, His warning, and His reward. That is called getting to know God. That's how you get to know God. Amen? You know, pretend like I'm a salesman, okay? <laughs> and I come knocking at your door, you know? I'm like, and I say, hey, how you doing? I'm Mark. I got something for you, man. And guess what? You, you get this product, it's going to give you ongoing refreshment, wisdom, joy, vision, warning, and reward. How much would you pay for that? That's why David says in verse 10, they are more precious than gold, much more than pure gold. This book that you have, the Bible, is more precious than gold. All the money in your bank account, nothing compares to this book. It is so valuable, so precious. How do we come to know God? Personally, we do so through a special revelation, through Scripture, and now you get a sound off at your tables before the best part is yet to come. Here's your discussion question. How have you come to know God personally? I mean, just lately, through His special revelation, the Bible. Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, we're talking about three ways we come to know God. We all admit sometimes it's not easy to come to know God. And we have this amazing psalm that tells us how we can come to know God generally by general revelation, creation. But we can especially come to know God personally by special revelation, the Bible. Third way we come to know God, we come to know God intimately through self-revelation Honest communication with God. Now, let me ask you another question. Are you taking for granted the incredible miracle that God welcomes, desires, and longs for your honest communication with Him? See, to know God, God reveals Himself to us generally through general revelation, creation. God reveals Himself to us personally through special revelation the Scripture, but then there's our part, 
You can't just passively take in all of this general and special revelation and there not be your part in getting to know God. And your part is this, honesty. God is looking for a man, a woman, who will just be honest, broken, real before him. That person will know no limits to what it means to know God. Our part is to reveal ourselves to God intimately through self-revelation. Intimacy, into me see. Are you willing and are you saying, God, into me see. If you're that kind of a Christian, you are going to come to know God. If you're saying, you're not going to get to know God. Wow. To know God, we must have an honest, self-revealing heart before God. We must, watch this, disclose to God, watch this, our soul. Our soul. You say, Mark, my soul is dirty. God already knows it is. Say, Mark, I'm so confused, I'm so broken, I'm so bitter. That's all right. God can handle it. He created the universe. He's given you his word. He can handle your hearts. God longs for you to give him your heart. There are so many things that I admire about David. But I think what I admire most about David is his brutal honesty as you go through the Psalms. If I had the time to take you through 20 Psalms and show you his honesty, it just blows me away because I go, God, I have so far to go. Especially as guys, we're, we, we, we just kind of bottle our feelings in. And we don't get it out. We need to get it out if you want to come to know God. Question, when was the last time that you have been completely, totally, brutally honest with God? You know, God welcomes your honesty. He longs for it. There is no such thing as a person who knows God who is also not honest with God. The degree you will know God is the degree you're honest with Him. It's just how it is. There's a no such thing as a person who is getting to know God better and better who is also not learning to give more and more of themselves away in honesty before God. So question, how can you grow in your honesty with God? Because if you grow in your honesty with God, you're going to grow in knowing God. What would you, what does being, being honest to God look like? What would it include? What should you say? David concludes Psalm 19 with three verses of total honesty before God. And I'm just going to give you these verses. I'm not going to preach on them. I'm not going to read, you know, I'm just going to read them. No commentary is really needed. And I just want to let David's honesty speak to you and me. Let it be an example for us to follow. Verses 12 to 14. David says, but who can discern their own errors. David is saying, Lord, I'm not even sure I can discern all of the errors in my life, the ways I've fallen short, the ways I've, I've disowned you, I've walked. I don't even know if I know all that, Lord. This is how honest he's being. There's things about me I, I don't even, I've forgotten that I've done. Forgive my hidden faults. He's not saying, I'm hiding this from you. He's saying, there's things that 
I'm just giving it all to you, Lord. Things I've forgotten. This is how honest I want to be with you. Forgive me those things I don't even know about. I've forgotten. And then he says, keep your servant also from willful sins. Oh God, there are things going on in my life right now. There are things I know I struggle with. I'm this man, this woman. There's these habits, these issues. Forgive me of these areas, these willful sins. God, I find my, my will still going in this direction. May they not rule over me. I want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to rule over me. Lord, please, I I give these to you. I'm making these known to you. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David is saying, Lord, I know I can't make myself blameless. I can't be made, my, my transgressions gone. Only you can do that. But it's as we're honest in our confession before God that this comes about. This is what it means to know God is to know the pure heart that he gives us, an honest heart. And then David says in verse 14, may these words of my mouth, he's talking about the words of honesty. May these words of my mouth, this honesty and this meditation, this honest meditation I'm giving to you right now, God, all of my hearts may be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock, my redeemer, be my rock, be my redeemer. Wow. Let me give you an honest challenge. Get alone with God today. Maybe don't even close your eyes. Talk to God with your eyes wide open as you would just an intimate friend. And talk to Him out loud. Talk to Him with an honest heart. Reveal to God your soul. That's how you get to know God. (laughs) We come to know God intimately through self-revelation. Honest communication with God. So where do I turn when coming to know God just isn't that easy for me? Hopefully, Psalm 19. Hopefully, you'll never forget this psalm. We look up to the sky. Don't take for granted God's creation. God wants you to get to know Him generally through His creation. You look into the Scriptures. Come to know God personally as He reveals Himself to you from His amazing Word. And then you look out to God or up to God with your heart. Reveal your soul to God. Be honest to God from your heart. The sky, the Scriptures, your soul. That's how we come to know God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the beautiful, amazing, incredible Psalm 19. Lord, I I just want to get the ball rolling on us being honest with you right now. There's not a one of us who just hasn't enjoyed the revelation of general creation as well as your scriptures. And I'm not sure all that God's saying to you But just in 30 seconds, would you just be honest with him right now? The conversation can continue later. But right now, would you just come before this amazing God who wants to know you? Would you tell him you want to get to know him better and better? He's moving, speaking in your life. Respond to him honestly right now.